Oh, hello. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, prayers up. Prayers up to everybody. Prayers yes. up. Uh, people missed that. We we're talking about the, the sub story. Um, hi, I'm not Dominique Foxworth. Speaking of subs, oh, I should have led with that. I'm Mina Kimes, filling in. Segway. That's how you do it. That's how you segue right there. Boom. With the great David Dennis, Dennis Jr., who right before we started taping, sent something, I don't know what it is, to Alabaster, our producer, who then replied and said, this is crazy and wouldn't show it to me. Are we going to reveal it off the top or are we going to jump into these NBA storylines? We, we are. This is maybe the biggest NBA storyline of the week. And that is, an NBA? <laughs> it is Victor Weminyama holding a baseball. And uh, let's take this full screen for a second. Oh, wow. <laughs> it looks like he's holding a jawbreaker. That is the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen in my life. Um, I, I do like the genre of him standing next to things and making them look small, just picking up the torch from Yao. Because that, that, I always loved those photos of like Yao next to NBA players where uh, you'd realize that, oh my God, this is something we've never seen before. And Victor definitely yeah. fills that. Yeah, the Yao, the Yao next to Muggsy Bogues uh, stuff that they used to do was incredible. <laughs> I can tell you one thing. Uh, we'll get to the first topic, but I promise you that uh, Bryce Young would not have gone 1-1 if there was a picture of him next to Victor Wembanyama. Um, but I digress. <laughs> okay, let's talk about the Warriors. The last great NBA dynasty. Draymond Green opted out. If you, mm -hmm. if you were Draymond Green, would you be tempted to actually leave the Golden State Warriors? Absolutely not. So, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Go for it. Set the table. Set the okay, answer, David. And then you'll set the table. Go for it. Get right into it. Well, I actually, okay. Now that I know your answer, I'm going to set this up to, to kind of ask how you arrived at that answer. Because mm -hmm. the reason why, we know why Draymond opted out. Um, it's not that he thinks he's going to get massively more per year than the, what was it, like $27 million, But because he wants some security. He wants more mm -hmm. than one year. It makes sense. He is old. He's not that old. He's like in his early 30s. Whatever. We get it. Um, the There seems to be a, a pretty strong chance he returns to the Warriors, although they would have to make some financial choices. But, you know, he, he hasn't been out there in a while. He, he was pictured in France with LeBron. Everybody's in France right now. Um, he was pictured in France with LeBron. So, naturally, uh, we being the sports media, have to do a ton of Lakers content around it. Mm -hmm. He's mm -hmm. been linked to the Mavericks in the past. Uh, basketball knowers love to put him on teams with young guys where he can come in and, like, you know, be the coach and get things going. We, okay, so absolutely not. We know I, – I mean, I understand comforts of home, all of that. They're obviously a, dy a dynasty, likes playing with staff, whatever. But let me ask you this, David – what if another team offers him significantly more money, which is possible? No team is going to offer him significantly more money. That. <laughs> <laughs> There's that. I'm trying. I'm there, trying. There is that part of it also. Like there, like so. Um, considering our um, mutual love of dating shows, I'm going to make several dating and relationship analogies that I hope nobody applies to my own personal life. So this is the situation that that, that Draymond finds himself in. Is that he is a perfect match for exactly one organization and one organization is exactly a perfect match for mm. him. And so no matter if you say, Hey, Bay, go out there and find somebody better. And you know, they're not going to find anybody better. 
it doesn't quite matter because that person is your person. Draymond is the Warriors person, right? Mm. Like Draymond's going to go to the club and nobody's going to give him the number and he might be single forever if he tries to go play the field. But when he comes, but he's still going to be missed by his person at home and his person at home is the Golden State Warriors. So they are made for each other. And so nobody's going to bid him, but like pay him $30 million to go play for them for three years. It's only the Warriors. And so they're just made for each other. This is what's going to happen. Are that makes they sense. You feel your that? person? Well, first of all, the, your, it was an allusion to the show Perfect Match, and I think it should be noted that nobody who got together on that show is still together. So uh, <laughs> the title deserves some scrutiny. It's also terrible. We both watched it's just, it. Yes. It's, it's low hard, even for hard us. Hard to watch. But one of the greatest uh, <laughs> villains in television history uh, was on that show, so there's that. <laughs> Shout out to Francesca. Um, are they his perfect match? I mean, I... I, I like I said, there's many, many, a million reasons why he would go back there. But let's say you were in a relationship with someone and they introduced a new person into a relationship and they, you don't like them. Maybe you punch them and they're <laughs> going to be around for four years at an extremely <laughs> now exorbitant looking contract. Um, like there's reasons why there's some skepticism about this mm -hmm. relationship and what happened last year and potentially the long-term future. The reason is Jordan Poole. It's Jordan Poole. I'm just going to say Yeah, it is. Jordan Poole is the, um, is the third ultimatum person who has joined into this, <laughs> this relationship. But the thing about Jordan Poole is that he's only been around, uh, if we're going to stretch out the ultimatum analogy, he's only been around for a few weeks, and he's the guy that's going to go. Like, if, if the Draymond thing mm. is going to stick around, it's either going to be they're going to make the Jordan Poole thing work. They're going to figure out that this guy's worth his contract or they're going to move him. They're going to move Jordan Poole. Like if we're talking about, I mean, the the, the crown jewel of the Warriors is obviously Stephen Curry. Right. And what is going to make him the most happy. Right. It's all mm -hmm. about him. And what's going to make him the most happy is Steph, Clay, Draymond playing together until they, I guess, all retire together or ride off in the sunset or whatever. And you're sort of beholden to that understanding. And there's none of no future where Steph Curry is going to be like, yeah, mm -hmm. let Draymond go. I want to keep Jordan Poole, who looked like, you know, he was inebriated for half the playoff games that he was out there. And so the, the move is the move is if Draymond comes back, either they run it back with who they have and hope that Jordan Poole goes better or Jordan Poole goes because Jordan Poole's contract is actually kind of attractive. It's way more attractive than somebody paying Draymond Green thirty million dollars. Yeah, it's four four Ooh, years. I don't know. I, th I think it well because he's still young. There's still this belief that Jordan Poole can be a better player in a different system. Caps are going to go up. I think that it's a it's a more I, I would if I'm looking at you know if I'm a team that's trying to build young, I would probably want to pay Jordan Poole more than paying Draymond Green three years for thirty million dollars each. Okay, let me throw out another hypothetical. Okay, let's say okay, you're Draymond right. Green. You get a call from okay, Kevin right. Durant. Yeah. Okay. All right. A reverse, a reverse game yeah. seven. 2016 I know. He's like, thing. hey, we're we're we're, we're good again. Crying. Yeah, you you recruited me. We uh -huh. had some, we had a bit of falling out. Now we're boys again. Mm. I see an opportunity here. We can both show the world that we don't need Steph. We don't have to <laughs> hang out with around Jordan more. Uh -huh. um, uh -huh. Get to play with me and Book. This is a great situation. Let's be real. You're probably not going to beat the Nuggets, but we could beat the Nuggets if we teamed up. Classic team up situation. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Might there be some appeal in that scenario? Uh, I mean, 
maybe for Draymond, maybe, but that's a that's a that's a tough sort of needle to thread here. Because what are the Warriors? The Warriors don't want DeAndre Ayton. Like that is no, there's no way they want that. The Suns mm-hmm. need bench depth, which Draymond just Draymond by himself is not going to provide. And the Suns need a point guard, which Draymond can do a little bit, but he's not going to do all the you know all the point guarding that that team needs. There's just nobody's going nobody's going to pay the guy what the Warriors are going to pay him. It's the Steph Curry tax. Like you're paying Steph Curry a certain amount of money, and you would pay him a hundred million dollars more because of Steph Curry. So you might as well just you know allocate some of that money to Draymond mm. to keep him. He's not going anywhere. There's nothing. Mm. There's no match for him anywhere that is as appealing, unless it's just like I want to go hang out with LeBron. But I don't think LeBron necessarily wants Draymond Green for those those amount of years where you have LeBron, Draymond, yeah. and, and AD out there. Like there's just nothing that makes sense for anybody else. The only thing that would the only move that makes sense for Draymond if he's really going to shake the table is if him, Steph, and Clay come together and say, look, I'm coming back, move Jordan Poole, and let's get some some depth around us and like run this thing back like we did a couple years ago. The robust market for Jordan Poole. I th- I mean I think that there's a there's a there's a world where Jordan Poole is is viable for a lot of young teams out there. I think. Yeah, maybe you can get Landry Shamit in return. Um, <laughs> uh, I did I, further Too down the, further down the line, but I do you think it could be interesting if Draymond just like F it, I'll take the money in time just like Houston or San Antonio or something like that. Um, but let's talk about another team that is in a weird spot. Uh, what's better for building the Blazers? Building around Damian Lillard or trading him? Interesting to look at this from the Blazers point of view because I feel like so often we're just obsessing over what does Damian Lillard want? Is Damian Lillard going to leave? How much does Damian Lillard care about winning? What does he want in a team? What does he want in teammates? Is this going to finally be the offseason that he actually does it? David mentioned a Netflix show that we watch called The Ultimatum, and I actually think that really applies to this situation because <laughs> for the uninitiated, The Ultimatum is where there's a couple, one of the couple, one person in the couple issues an ultimatum, get married to me, or else they have a trial marriage with someone else. And and then half the time they just stay together anyways. And that's sort of been what this whole song and dance has been for years now. We're hearing from the insiders that there is some legitimate movement on this front. Winhorst, Brian Winhorst, the great Brian Winhorst said on Get Up, Dame does not want a youth movement. There uh, potentially will be a bit of an issue if the Blazers don't trade pick three because he does not want to play with Scoot or or Brandon Miller, whoever pick three is David. Another relationship analogy here. Of course, Dame and the Blazers. Actually, that's not even, I don't think it's a reality show. I think this is just a reality of like old doom marriages, which is like, they're just sort of at the end of it. And nobody wants to say that it's over. And they're just looking at each other like setting up these things that are like, if you do this, I'm leaving. If you do this, I'm leaving. When basically they just want to leave. Basically Portland and Dame Lillard are just waiting for the other person to get caught cheating. That's really what it is. And they're just setting up these scenarios where it happens. Like Dame Lillard, the idea that the Portland Trailblazers would not take the number three pick right now is kind of absurd. Like there's this idea that maybe they'll try to go get Bam out of bio. They want that third pick. And they don't want, you know, they want that third pick. They built around Dame Lillard for the last, 10 years and they've sort of maxed out where they can go. They made a conference finals and had a shot to make the finals. That was the, I mean, that Warriors team was obviously great, but KD was hurt and they got swept. There was a, there was a world in which they could sort of 
that was it. That was the ceiling. <laughs> that was sort of the ceiling of where this Portland team was going to go with Dame without getting a huge star, which there's no sort of um, apparatus for them to get a huge star. And it's just it's time to say goodbye, man. Both of them just need to just call it um, a, a run, just call it an era and move on. Well, as the I guess in the relationship analogy, we the sports media are the friends who just have to hear this couple complain <laughs> about each other for 10 years. And you're like, yeah. Yeah, you should leave him this time. Definitely, you're going to yeah. do it. Anyways, I appreciate the fact that at least, at the very least, this draft does appear to be an inflection point because I, I truly do think if they hold on to that pick and then keep the player because there's a world in which they pick the player and then they trade the player, whatever. But So mm. it might not all go down on, on Thursday. But if they do keep Scoot or whoever, um, I do believe that will finally be the end of the Dame Lillard era in Portland and, 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 you know, we'll see what happens, Miami, Brooklyn, LA, whatever. But finally, at least like something is going to have to happen in this. Like, and that is what is great. That's why I was so glad when they got this pick. Cause I was like, Ooh, uh, you know, like a trigger, like something like they're going to have to make a, de- the organization is going to have to make a decision. Now the original question was what should the organization do? You seem to be erring on the side of this is over. They've mm-hmm. hit a ceiling pick three the alternative would be trading the pick or trying to, you know, uh, for a veteran that Dame wants to play with. I tend to agree with you because I don't really think there are options out there Mm -hmm. that make this team a contender in the West, even with that pick. They've been trying to do this for years. They've been trying to find that other star for Dame Lillard. It hadn't going to happen. This is the chance. Portland just got the, hey, big head text, go cheat and go make Dame Lillard know about it. And then y'all can finally end the relationship. And the, and all of us can be like, oh, we were rooting for you guys. We thought y'all had love this whole time. And then we go tell our group chat, like, this thing has been God. over for years. It's yeah, been time. Please. I'm just so tired. Mm. All right. Skedaddle, skedaddle from the grind. Speaking of Dame. cheating. Yeah, I was about to should say. Should we get to the old topic? Yeah, if you think Francesca's toxic. Uh, <laughs> do you think the relationship between Zion and the Pelicans has run its course? Uh... <laughs> I would consult um, a Twitter expert, but that expert appears to be uh, silenced by the man right now. Although this is time sensitive, so this could this could be she could be back online any second. So we don't know. Um, this is fascinating. I think that this is one of the more inscrutable stories in the NBA right now because Zion Williamson is a top. 10 player in the Mm -hmm. league when he's healthy and teams don't typically move on from top 10 players in the league uh, until they start showing up in Looney Tunes t-shirts and sitting out games (laughs) willfully, but that's not the case here. The case is that Zion Williams has been awesome when he's played. He has not played a lot of basketball. There is a lot of, and this is something where the draft is very, uh, a truly fascinating inflection point. Uh, There's been noise about the Pelicans moving up to two, three, take one of those top picks because um, they are sick of the Zion Williamson experience. Uh, They, and this is where it gets into anonymous sources territory. You know, is he trying hard? Is he rehabbing? Does he want to get back on the court? Do, is there mutual trust? David, that's what makes this hard story hard to evaluate for me because if it was a normal, like, even if he was hurt, but there weren't any other reports, I would mm-hmm. say it doesn't matter. You obviously, you have a top 10 player when he's healthy. You just see if he can get healthy. 
but there's all this other stuff in there and the pelicans know more than we do yeah this stuff this is just weird man this is just like a weird thing like there's the 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 obviously the Twitter stuff and like when I'm the more that like it the Twitter stuff happens the more I'm like is Zion like just allowing this to happen so he can just like make some noise and get out of New Orleans like is this what's going on like is he happy you know he wants to get out there like to me the issue beyond all of that is the the distrust between him and that medical staff like the Pelicans medical staff has been you know there's been a lot of skepticism about that going back history AD yeah going way it's not great yeah, especially when we talk about them sharing that staff with the Saints and all that stuff and all the AD injuries and the Drew Holiday injuries and how that team has been riddled. And so when you have it rearing its ugly head again where Zion is distrusting that, that's the thing that sort of worries me more than all this other stuff is that once we saw that with Kawhi in San Antonio and we've seen that before when te- when players and their teams have issues with the me- with yep. the organization and a medical staff, that sort of becomes untenable in a way that like anything is possible. I feel like the the challenging thing for New Orleans though is like you're if this bet goes wrong, if he if his health issues persist, if he plays the same amount of mm-hmm. games next year or less, this was your shot. Yeah. To re to get, you know, you ain't gonna get pick two or three. Next, if you have an, mm. I think if you have another year like this, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe, maybe if like the it's reversed where he plays the end of the season instead of the beginning and he's yeah. gray. I don't know. I, but if it doesn't go well and it's t- completely plausible, it won't. You will have missed out on uh, this. Is you would be selling high right now, I think, and in what seems to be like a pretty attractive draft at the top too. So I, I am not going to pretend like I have a firm grasp of the next few years and whatever, but um, this was an opportunity. And to go back to the question, like they do sound really sick of him based on yeah, everything yeah. we've heard. And, I, and I'll, I'll throw this. I'm not, I, I do think it's telling David, like we're not hearing from many people defending him. Like yeah, players, lot, the players teammates. haven't come out and said, yeah, players haven't come out and said, leave my boy Zion alone. Yeah. There's not been a lot of that stuff. But if you're the Pelicans, man, you've had pretty much 10 consecutive years of AD and Zion Williamson, and you've gotten, and, what, five playoff wins? Like, just so off the top true. of my head, I think they've won it's five so playoff, playoff games then, maybe maybe a little bit more. Like, that's that's organizational malpractice that we have. Like, those are two of the best sort of people coming out the draft that you'll ever see. I know there's injury plagues and all that stuff, but, man, you hit lightning twice, and you are incapable of building anything around that team um, in those 10 years. And if you trade Zion at this point, like what, like what is left, man, what you got, <laughs> you know, like, um, but yeah, they do seem tired of him, but, but. Well, let's Zion talk about works, that man. though. Like what's left because there's still a pretty good team without, they were a, a, a like a true contender with him. Mm-hmm. I think, you right. know, they were the two seed or three seed or whatever in the West without him. They were like a, you know, a feisty play in team. Yeah, yeah. So where this kind of gets interesting to me too, in terms of trade return is, you know, does do the timelines align? Mm. You, you have a very fun young team. If you're bringing in scoot or Brandon or whatever, does that make sense with the current timeline of your team? Because, you know, you would, you would still, it, he would still be a very young star. It's a young right. team. It makes a little bit more sense than if we were talking about a mature franchise 
Miami or Boston or whatever mm. that, you know, where they would want an existing star, I think. Yeah, I mean, that's the that's that's really the issue though. It's like you're rolling the dice either way. Cause either you yeah. get you stick with a Zion who you don't know his injury situation and the and the the comparison is of course the Joel Embiid, and we look at what Joel Embiid has become after yeah. his first four years. Or you look at a situation where, th- like you said, the, the nightmare situation is this is the highest stock that Zion Williams will ever have. And, and that is like, and you miss it. And so, like, it's, it's an unenviable position for anybody in the Pelicans roster to try to figure out um, at the time. Um, because, like, you, you know, I have no clue. I have no, Like, this guy can come in and play 82 games next season and average 30 points, and they'll be a top three team in the West. Or this guy can play 15 games and, you know, 17 more Twitter threads will be made about him and he'll be the laughing stock of the team and he'll wear more, more um cowboy outfits on the sidelines for the rest of the season. <laughs> Sorry, Pills. Really rough. That was a tough <laughs> outfit. It was like chaps or something. I don't know. I didn't really understand it. The way that denim a, is used. Yeah, it was a chaps thing, but it was like an unbuttoned chaps under some other things that was going on. Like, get some fits off. Like Zion, use your money to get the fits off. Like, what are we doing here? <laughs> All right. Yeah, I wish uh, a certain Twitter account was more active during that moment because probably would have <laughs> gotten some good takes. Speaking of good takes, that's David Dennis Jr. You guys catch him here a lot or on Around the Horn where I'm sometimes on with him, losing to him. David, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Can't wait to hear you and, and Bill talk about NFL players I absolutely know everything about. <laughs> okay. It's finally time to talk. <laughs> America's sport. No, just kidding. It's one of our sports. It's my favorite sport. It's Bill Barnwell's favorite sport. Bill Barnwell, thanks for joining the show. I, I, I is it is it your favorite sport at this point? Do you feel like it, it surpassed baseball when the Mariners are good? Uh, <laughs> yeah, I think my favorite sport varies based on my rooting interests at times. But I, it's definitely not. It, America's favorite sport in June. I will concede that. I will concede that. However, um, the NFL never sleeps. There are off-season storylines to be attended to. There are stars still out there. I I feel like I can say that with some legitimacy. There are actual stars, at least one star, still available. Um, So Alabaster came up with a conceit for you and I to do our favorite thing together, and that's discuss football, which is... (laughs) Uh, he's going to ask us which of a couple of off-season storylines are juicier. Are you ready to be mm. the arbiter of juiciness? Mm. Juicy debate. Okay, I'm in for this. All right, guys. First one. Juiciest off-season storyline. Which player's contract situation is most interesting to you? Saquon Barkley, Dalvin Cook, or DeAndre Hopkins? Mm. These are all legitimately juicy. I want to say that. Um I really believe that these are all interesting, impactful players. How impactful is a matter of debate. I think it's a matter of um, uh, debate between the players and the teams themselves, uh, including (laughs) uh, the teams that employ one of them. Uh, So just to kind of catch people up to date, DeAndre Mm -hmm. Hopkins is still a free agent. Mm -hmm. Um, So when you ask kind of the contract situation, I think we could look at it sort of like it, it, as a holistic thing, where does DeAndre Hopkins sign and for how much? And I think those things are very much related is one of the options. Another option is Dalvin Cook, also mm-hmm. a free agent. 
uh, was cut by his team, the Minnesota Vikings, in a move that surprised some. Although to those who have been observing the Vikings, their kind of approach to this offseason, it does make a bit of sense. Uh, so at the moment, the contract situation is similar. It's a question of who's going to sign Dalvin Cook and how much. There have been rep- mixed reports about what he wants. Well, uh, except for this uh, groundbreaking quote, he quote he wants to go win. So in case you uh, thought he did not want to win, Dalvin Cook does in fact want to win. I think there's also he went on Schefter's podcast and said something about how he'd like to play with Hopkins, which like you know let's just mm. fi- find a team. The third one. <laughs> Uh, Bill is uh, the, is one that's more about contract than the mm-hmm. others because Saquon Barkley is on a team. He is on the New York Giants. He has been franchise tagged. However, he is not happy about being franchise tagged. In fact, he is quasi threatening. I'm, I'm saying quasi threatening. Sorry, I'm, <laughs> I don't believe it. <laughs> to hold out if a deal isn't reached, if he doesn't get a long term deal, the the Giants did choose to pay Daniel Jones a big contract and tag. Saquon. All right. Of these three stories, Saquon's dispute with the Giants, his dissension, Dalvin Cook's free agency, DeAndre Hopkins' free agency, Arnwell, which of these three do you believe is the juiciest? First off, I just want to point out the dramatic difference between Mina hosting Debatable and Dominique hosting Debatable. Mina goes through every possible answer, gives a thoughtful explanation. Dominique would have just been like, uh hopkins next we would have moved on already to the next question by this point i am going to say i am going to say saquon barkley and here Mm. is why i am currently working mina on my annual rankings of the league's 32 sets of playmakers now of course deandre hopkins doesn't factor into that equation because he's not on a roster as is dalvin cook But what I have noticed in New York this past week or so has been a very sad thing, I would say, that's really sort of reinforced where I stand with this Giants roster. Have you seen who's been getting hype for the Giants in training camp or or in OTAs these past couple weeks? It's Paris Campbell. Paris Campbell, who is, by all accounts, a a nice guy, a, a talented player coming out of school, who basically missed his first three seasons in the NFL who averaged sub-10 yards per reception last year as the third, second, third receiver for the Colts. That's where we're at with this Giants passing attack is, ooh, if we can just get Paris Campbell going, we're good. <laughs> That's what leads me to Saquon, because imagining this offense without Saquon Barkley, when the expectations for Daniel Jones have changed so dramatically, yeah. From simply being, eh, if he's good, it's a bonus. If not, we're going to move on to, we're paying Daniel Jones more than $40 million a year for the next couple of years. He has to be not only good, but better than he was last season to justify that sort of deal for the Giants. It feels more and more to me like Saquon Barkley is absolutely essential to unlocking that sort of play out mm. of Daniel Jones. Wow, Bill Barnwell, mm. noted running back, don't matter. Saquon Barkley is more than just a running back. Let's just clarify here. He can catch the football as well. Might even line up the in the football. slot a time or two if you give him the opportunity. 
I would argue his presence on the field mattered more to the Giants than it did to other offenses last year. And this is always the thing with running backs. You have to look at the situation, trying Mm -hmm. to isolate the variables. I think both of us were not too actually like super surprised that the Vikings decided to move on from Mm -hmm. Dalvin Cook because they were a very bad running team last year. And a lot of his underlying metrics were not super positive. Mm -hmm. Whereas with Saquon, the Giants face the third most stacked boxes in the NFL. Mm-hmm. They ranked third in EPA per play against those boxes. They faced a ton of single high coverage. Defenses were selling out to stop the run. The vision for a successful Giants season in which Daniel Jones lives up to his contract is one, I think, where the playmakers they have added, I'm not talking about Harris Campbell, Darren Waller, uh, drafting Jalen Hyatt, forces defense mm-hmm. to respect other parts of the field. Absolutely. Saquon benefits. He eats underneath. He's both a pass catcher and a rusher, and everything is great except for without Saquon, none of that happens. Mm-hmm. I will say, I don't think he's going to hold out, though, which is why I, I have to downgrade the juice factor a little bit. Oh, because- I got that sub-juice. Okay. Players never hold out and it doesn't work. I'm sorry. That's it sucks. It's a consequence. You take it up with the host of this show. No, just kidding. <laughs> I, I, I will I will point out there is one example of a player who did hold out. And that is Le'Veon Bell, who held out as a running back. It didn't on work. The French. I mean, he he got to leave. He went to the Jets, which doesn't he work for different reasons. Definitely but... lost he definitely lost left money on the table. Oh, no question. And I have gotten in like long discussions about sorry. Yeah, Bill, or uh, Charlie. I would just like to point out that Le'Veon Bell recently boxed Adrian Peterson. It's hard to say that it won, <laughs> that he won. Wait, who won the fight, though? That's Le'Veon. Oh, Le'Veon won, okay. I would hope so. I mean, he's got Adrian's got like a few years. Anyways, uh, I do think it's juicy, though, because I do think Saquon has an unusual amount of leverage as a, for mm-hmm. a running back for A, the reasons we discussed, B, he is the face of that team. Like, he is the no most marketable player that they've got. Um, and then I'll put Hopkins, too, in the juice factor, purely because, Bill, I think DeAndre Hopkins still has a lot left in the tank. I think mm-hmm. he has the potential to be an impactful piece on a playoff team. The question, of course, is what team? Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like when the Hopkins news first broke everybody was like fantasy like wish casting him (laughs) on to like the bills the chiefs the eagles and now Mm -hmm. we remembered that bill deandre hopkins actually would like some money uh, (laughs) and we're sort of in that second tier of teams so let's wrap this by asking before we move on let me ask you which destination would be the juiciest for deandre hopkins i would say the patriots i think it's juicy off the field with the bill o'brien mix yeah he can be a legit number one receiver there I, I just I'm picturing him like just catching touchdowns, catching touchdowns every week and just going up and taunting Bill O'Brien, who can do absolutely nothing about it. Like that's that's my dream, DeAndre Hopkins scenario. So I would say the Patriots. What about you? I think I think the Patriots are a really good one. It makes a ton of football sense. I also mm. think if it doesn't work out and Mac Jones continues to struggle, that will be a volatile situation, which mm-hmm. adds to the juice factor. All right, mm-hmm. next storyline. Right, next battle. one. It's time to talk some man tangibles with these rookie quarterbacks. Juicier offseason storyline. Brian Burns saying Bryce Young has already won over the locker room. Or Noah Brown saying CJ Stroud can be better than Dak Prescott. How dare you, Alabaster? These these are bone dry, Alabaster. Come on, CJ Stroud (laughs) could be better than Dak Prescott. That's weak. And then 
Yeah, I forgot Dominique wasn't hosting. I did hand up. My bad. I forgot that Noah Brown was not on the Texans or apparently the Cowboys. This is your breaking news to me. (laughs) Noah Brown, I believe, Bill, correct me if I'm wrong, last seen coughing up an interception that Dak incurred a lot of blame for in the playoffs. That was to Noah Brown, right? I think it was one of those uh, tip passes. Um, I mean, I'll go with that one because the first one is obviously. just typical off-season talk about you know the mm-hmm. locker room and, and this and that whereas you know Noah Brown's getting a little spicy going mm-hmm. for uh the Walmart version of Tyreek Hill saying to us better than Patrick oh, we'll get Mahomes. To uh there are does it feel does it feel though to you like we are getting a lot of quotes from random players saying that their quarterback is the best this offseason or am I just imagining that See, I, I think from a player perspective, and I'm not a former player, of course, but from a player perspective, I think players believe that Tyreek Hill willed to a Tango Violoa to be great last year by saying he was the most accurate quarterback in football over the mm. summer. And so I think there's a level of agency here where Noah Brown feels like it's not just something he wants to do to get attention, but his actual duty in helping to develop C.J. Stroud by putting a crazy quote out there. It's going to get him attention. It's going to get people who including me, who didn't notice that he went to the Texans, noticing, oh, he's the fourth receiver <laughs> on the Texans now. And it's going to give C.J. Stroud some some evidence, some motivation to, to have confidence in himself. I, I actually would take the other side of this one just because I'm excited about Bryce Young. But I do think there is a question here and maybe an analytic concept we need to introduce in talking about quarterbacks who have it or quarterbacks who have that dog in him, which are both things that Panthers players said about Bryce Young recently, you got to adjust that for the quarterbacks you had in the room before this point. Like, this is a mm. team that went through Baker Mayfield, that yeah. went through Sam Darnold, P.J. Walker, yeah. uh, Cam, you know, broken down Cam the past couple of years. It, it just feels like, you know, you have to have some kind of adjusted dog factor to adjust for how, how much Bryce Young has to do to prove that he really is that guy in Carolina. The bar is exceptionally low, maybe not higher than Bryce Young physically, (laughs) but it is spiritually extremely low. Uh, And I have to, yeah, I, 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 this is, by the way, I will say I'll, I'll have one serious football takeaway Mm -hmm. from this. I, uh, you know, about him winning the locker room and CJ Stroud getting the raves and whatever. Mm -hmm. I do think it is really beneficial when these young quarterbacks come in and they're very much, obviously the dude, Mm -hmm. like when you come into camp, even back to, you know, starting in like OTAs and you're like, this is our guy, he's your quarterback. We're not going to put on an Urban Meyer uh, sham competition between Trevor Lawrence and Gardner Minshew splitting reps in camp, one of the stupidest training camp battles of all time. There are no misconceptions about who's actually running the show here. I think that Mm -hmm. is a good team management approach, and it seems Mm -hmm. to be working in both these cases. Yeah, and I feel like teams are maybe naive about how aggressive they're going to be in making that change even if they don't get that guy ready i mean think about the steelers last year where mike tomlin is is, i think we all agree one of the best coaches in football they had to have a near mutiny in the locker room it sounds like and we was that week four that game where they brought in kenny yeah Um, it was not that it would it was at least a month into the season if i remember mm -hmm. correctly yeah 
But were they any better? Like, was Kenny Pickett any more prepared by being thrust into the lineup at halftime to, to right. try and win a game? Of course not. And that team, maybe they make the playoffs if Kenny Pickett's in there a month earlier. It's not like Mitch was giving them all that much to begin with. Mm. All right. This one sucks. Next one. <laughs> it's a juicier offseason storyline. Jordan Love calling the Bears his daddy or Jair Alexander calling Jordan Love the best quarterback in the league. <laughs> Okay, what was the Jordan Love quote, Alabaster? Because it was so syntactically confusing to me Mm -hmm. when it crossed my timeline. Okay, yeah. Happy Father's Day to all the Bears fans out there. Okay, come on. Number one, this happened in France. That changes things. Uh, Okay, you know what? I'm going to show you how to do this, Jordan Love. Because he he, he screwed it up. We understand his intention, right? Which is he wanted to imply that he and the Packers are the Bears' daddy, right? Mm-hmm. But because <laughs> give me a minute, explain, explain your joke. Um, but because he like confused it and like flipped it around, it sounds like he is saying that they're his daddy, and it like it just is an incredible backfire. Here's how you do it, Jordan Love. Can you see that? Still, still waiting for all the dudes I have sunned on this website to wish me a happy Mother's Day from Mina Kimes. It's a, I'm not going to lie. It's that's, a how good tweet. that's how you do the joke. That's how you do the joke. So, Jordan Love, what if he had said, hey, Bear, hey Bears fans, you going to wish us happy Father's Day? Then that would have been, I mean, it would have been unearned because Jordan Love has done nothing <laughs> against Chicago Bears. Sure. But, uh, what was sorry? What was the actual the other storyline where this is competing with? It was Jair Alexander calling Jordan no. Love the best. That just falls into the, the category we just talked about about weird players unnecessarily hyping. It's the first one because this is Jordan Love stepping into the role of face of the franchise spokesperson for the Packers, and I have to say, this did not go well for the no. young man. Absolutely not. Do you think, Mina, you'd be willing to offer this as a service to NFL players, punching up trash talk? I would absolutely love that. I I think uh, Jalen Ramsey once told me that he actually spent a good deal of time researching his opponent's personal lives for (laughs) trash talk material. Like he would go on their Instagrams and look for the names, like just like little details because it's mm-hmm. the details that mm-hmm. matter also the syntax in this case but the details they do matter you want to be specific uh this is this is tough why no. is he in france that, that's another question can we talk about the packers for a second we'd have an actual yeah football conversation about the packers i believe mike clay pointed this out a couple weeks ago and i really looked closer into this have we recognized how like just totally inexperienced this entire mm-hmm. Packers passing yeah. offense is. It's, it's really young. Does it, anyone have more than a year? The the oldest player on the team, the oldest receiver, wide receiver, tight end on the team is uh, Jos- Josiah DeGuara, who's in year four. They're He's like, really a blocker. Yeah. yeah. Like he he is now the Mercedes Lewis to the rest that, of the football team in terms of Mercedes. Mercedes Lewis, a.k.a. the big dog, is still a free agent. And mm-hmm. there's this is a very obvious way to rectify it is to bring him back. Although it does, it, you'd also be um, robbing someone from Aaron Rodgers' wish, non-existent wish list. Quote, unquote, but wish list. Um, 
I mean, Rarcees Lewis, I think, is older than you and I. He was playing in the league before I was a writer covering the league, which is hard he, to do. He caught, I would argue, Aaron Rodgers' best pass of the mm-hmm. year last season was like a fade to Mercedes Lewis mm-hmm. left sideline. Um, I love that guy. Yeah. Yes, mm-hmm. Charlie. We've talked about Josiah Degara, Noah Brown, and Paris Campbell. June is bleak. <laughs> June is bleak, or you have some true, some true heads up in some here. True hardcore purple heads who know what every player is on every single team. <laughs> I guess I just don't know ball. Um, don't know ball. Last, last one. YDKB. Juicier off-season storyline. George mm. Kittle calling Trey Lance a starter in the NFL or George okay. Kittle calling Brock Purdy their starter. Okay. This is a good one. This is a, this is a, you, this you is a good one. job for number four. Congratulations, Alabaster. You went like one and a half for four on these. I that gets you into the that. Hall of Fame in Major League Baseball. <laughs> That's true. Mina, can you set the scene, please, with the, with this Niner, these George Kittle quotes? Sure. So um, for those who are unaware of the Niners' current depth chart, um, it is not entirely clear who is going to be starting at quarterback for the yep. Niners week one. I think if Brock Purdy was clearly healthy, uh, and that's a matter of some dispute is when he's actually going to play or, mm. tra- or practice rather. Uh, the the team, the coach, the GM have made it clear that he's their guy. I, th- those have been that's been the gist of the offseason quotes since the combine. However, mm-hmm. that's unclear. And then behind him, not only do you have Trey Lance, the uh, prospect that they moved heaven and earth to go up in the draft and get, yet who they um, have moved on from apparently based on the mm-hmm. quotes about Brock Purdy. You they also brought in Sam Darnold who, again, this is kind of reading between the lines on some of the quotes coming from the organization, they might like as much as Trey Lance, or at least are giving him a shot to compete with Lance, Mm -hmm. which, as we discussed, because of Brock Purdy, might be the starting job. Despite all of this, despite the fact that NFL quarterback is probably the most important position uh, that exists in professional sports, Mm -hmm. And we don't know who is going to be under center for the San Francisco 49ers in September. Most of us, myself included, still think they're one of the best five or six teams in the NFL. Bill, have I set the table correctly? You have, but I have a question for you coming off of that. Do you think it matters who starts for the 49ers in week one? No, I don't. I had them... On on uh, my podcast, the Mean Time Show featuring Lanny, check it out wherever you get your pods. Field Yates and I last week ranked offenses, and I had them fifth. Yeah, I fifth. mean that's not what what, what would would that be? Wrong? Like, that doesn't seem crazy to me in the slightest that they would be fifth, and that's not I, even knowing yeah they have a quarterback. I think uh, Niners and ranked in importance, Kyle Shanahan. Uh, Trent Williams, I would say, is there. And then I would probably put Christian McCaffrey based mm-hmm. on the impact that he had on that passing game. Um, but let's go back to the quote really quickly because uh, I do think it is meaningful. I know we were we, – so with the previous quotes, we were joking about, you know, like, of course, Jared Alexander is going to say Jordan mm-hmm. Love's amazing. Of course, Brian Burns is going to say that Bryce Young is winning over the locker room. But because – the starter in San Francisco is unclear. Mm-hmm. 
George Kittle picking favorites does matter. I would argue this this actually this the distinction between these two quotes where he says that Brock Purdy is the Niners starter and he says Trey Lance is a starter. Um that matters, right? Wouldn't you say that he is conveying a preference? I think he's expressing not just his preference, but also the preference for what is likely the majority or at least a significant portion of the locker room. And, and certainly it feels like every quote we've heard from the Niners this offseason has been about how Brock Purdy is going to be their quarterback. And I think that almost renders the the discussion we're having right now about who starts with them week one, null and void, because it feels like, yeah, I don't know how you feel. Is there anything Trey Lance can even do or Sam Darnold can even do over the first few weeks of the year that the Niners won't go to Brock Purdy the first chance they get? To me, it feels like there's not really an option there. Have a functional elbow. I would like to say that's the only thing that either of them can do, but that's, Josh Johnson had a functional elbow, and that was they still went back to Brock Purdy in that game to try and throw. Uh, you yeah. know, George Kittle in particular was awesome with Purdy last year. Mm-hmm. Um, sure was. Purdy had a, like a QBR of like 99 throwing to him or something. So it does make sense that, you know, that he would um, want him. I think where this gets interesting, Bill, is – Let's let's say that there's a there's a few ways where this gets interesting because I think you and I both agree Brock Purdy is their guy. George mm-hmm. Kittle is saying it, the front office is saying it, the coaches are saying it. However, is Brock Purdy their guy if he's eighty percent? Is Brock Purdy their guy if Trey Lance or Sam Darnold start the first two weeks and are awesome? Mm-hmm. That's where it gets a little bit fuzzier for me. Um, because it's, this is such a shaky situation. It's not like, you know, we were talking earlier about the importance of like the young quarterback being the unquestioned starter as much as they are throwing their weight behind Brock Purdy. I wouldn't say he's someone that can't be pushed off that perch. Absolutely. And, and that, that sort of scenario playing out this year is going to be really fascinating because there is that question of. Like you said, what happens if Brock Purdy's 80%? And and 80%, not just the first week he's back, but after four or five weeks. If Trey Lance or Sam Darnold play well in September, there's going to be that push to bring in Trey Lance or Sam Darnold. It's not like Brock Purdy was their quarterback for five years. He was their quarterback for less than half a season. Um, yeah. I, I think there's also a matter of who's on the field for the Niners in terms of those playmakers. Last year... Brock Purdy yeah. had pretty much everyone on board besides Debo for a couple weeks, and that helped. But I do wonder, you know, if it's not George Kittle on the field, if it's not Christian McCaffrey on the field, do the Niners play better with someone like Trey Lance being more of a, you know, more of a difference maker, more of a a stirrer at quarterback than Brock Purdy is going to take what is available based on the incredible playmakers he has. It's a great point because essentially what the Niners have done, and it's so unique. Uh, Atlanta's kind of trying to approximate this, I think, but they built this beautiful machine Mm -hmm. with incredible skill players, Kasha and Han. And at some point they made a decision that when we, when then everything's in place, when we've got our skill players, Kyle Shannon, I think clearly made this choice. I just want a guy who can run it. Mm -hmm. I want a guy who can step in and operate it. However, as you said, what happens when, that machine isn't operating. Would you rather have a guy who maybe has higher highs and high, lower lows? Mm-hmm. I don't know. It'll I'm be also, really interesting. 
I'm also going to point out, I'm just putting this out there. It's going to happen. We're going to have to accept it. Jimmy Garoppolo starting a game for the Niners in 2023. It's it's inevitable. The, 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 moment, the moment he failed that physical, it, it seemed like it was going to happen. He'll be there. Uh. I'm not saying he's going to make it to the postseason. I'm just being honest. He's going to be there. We're going to have to talk about it. So just start preparing for Jimmy Garoppolo winning games for the Niners now. And then Kirk Cousins, inevitably, in 2023. <laughs> All right, Bill Barnwell, you are much more than the operator of a machine. You guys check out Bill's in, uh, football analysis Bill Barnwell show, wherever you get your pods. Bill Barnwell and I are on NFL Live on Thursday together. Wow. It's very exciting. Yeah. Can't this wait. Is great. This is, again, more plugs for anything I've ever done than Dominique has ever done for me at any point on Debatable. So this is very, very exciting. Thank you so much, Mina. Raider of a machine. You guys check out Bill's in, uh, football analysis, Bill Barnwell show, wherever you get your pods. Bill Barnwell and I are on NFL Live on thursday together wow. it's very exciting yeah can't this wait is great this is again more plugs for anything i've ever done than dominique has ever done for me at any point on debatable so this is very very exciting thank you so much man